You're listening to Out of the Box with Rosie Tran. I'm here with Stacy Story, former Miss Alaska and independent film producer. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So I wanted to talk about your amazing film, Best Friends Forever, which you independently produced on a very small budget on and got it to slam dance. Uh, yeah, we did. We did. It was very, very exciting. It's... Uh, one of those amazing, as, as a lot of indie films are, you know, projects of love and blood, sweat and tears and all the other amazing things that go along with something that's not mainstream. So you just have to get in there and get your, your uh, roll your sleeves up and get your elbow grease on. So how did you get involved in a project like this? It actually came by my wayside. The two writers, Bria Grant and Vera Meow. They are friends of mine, and they actually kicked around this idea for a very, very long time. And it started off as a horror movie, and I always knew that it was in the works just as their friend. And they were looking to get it made and went to several producers, and I know it just sort of kept falling apart and kept falling apart. And then I just went to them and I said, hey, how about me producing your movie? And at the time, I hadn't even produced a feature. Like, I'd done a couple of short films. And mm-hmm, which is totally different, right? Totally different. <laughs> totally different. Yeah, and I just went up to them and I said, hey, what do you think? And yeah, and then the rest just sort of fell into place really rather effortlessly from that point on. So how did you guys raise the $70,000? Because money in Hollywood um, for a project that doesn't have a huge big name star is kind of like a unicorn. You have to, like, it's just... true. It's true. <laughs> If you don't have Charlize Theron attached, people are just like, whatever. Totally. Because everyone, you know, I, I think I know at least five or ten friends working on independent projects. It's almost like everyone here is working on something independent. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how did you guys go about finding the funding? Well, the on the back end, we did a Kickstarter campaign mm-hmm. that was really successful. And on the front end, we actually had less money than the amount that you're talking about. And that was just basically from pitching a ton of people that we knew or that we knew that wanted to get into making movies or that just really loved art. And also we were taking it from the standpoint of shooting on film still. Mm-hmm. So you guys shot on film? We did. We did. We shot on That's Super why it has 16. that really great, unique look. I, I uh, saw the trailer. I have not seen the film yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 It's, we wanted it to be really gritty and real and you know, had this really nice uh, visceral sort of feel to it. And we thought that the medium sort of served the film in its best capacity. So that's really interesting because I hear a lot of independent filmmakers avoiding film because Mm -hmm. of the cost, Mm -hmm. because they have, you know, this $10,000 budget or this really small budget. And so digital is the way to go. So how did you guys reconcile that? A lot of favors. <laughs> it was a lot of me begging and pleading people to make it happen. And I think that actually was a huge impetus behind it was we wanted to prove to people that you could still make a, a, an independent film on film. On film. Yeah, exactly. Right. And because everyone, you know, of course, can get a red fairly e- easily at this point or, you know, the Alexa is like the new jam now. But at the time, we just really wanted to show people that you can still use the actual film because it's so beautiful. And unfortunately it's slowly getting phased out and there's just something so wonderful about, like I said, the, cause you know, digital medium is like, there's still pixels involved yeah. and there's still, you know what I mean? It's nothing but that. And like the, to actually hold film in your hand and to see it blown up or blown down, it's going to still retain that same look and feel to it. Um, and there's just something really amazing about that's what our, this entire city was based upon was that actual, um, use of that film. And so the fact that it's getting phased out really breaks my heart um, just as a as a movie maker and a film lover. But then on the other hand, like I understand how things change and times change. But th- like I said, but my main thing is we wanted it to be this wonderful love letter to actual film. That's great. I, I love the look of it. I think it looks absolutely beautiful. And kudos to you guys for doing that on such a small budget. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. We're very, very, very proud of that. Very, very proud so was there, I know with film, because I actually have heard several producers tell me that, you know, they went to digital and they were thinking that digital was going to save them all this money. And then they actually had um, post-production costs with mm-hmm. digital. And also um, because certain directors feel that now they have this unlimited, you know, they can just keep shooting and do reshoots right. and reshoots and reshoots. Mm-hmm. The acting isn't as good because with film, you know, maybe the lighting is going to go and you only have one take or whatever. Mm-hmm. Was there any feeling of that where you guys really felt like with certain takes, you just had to get it? 
Yeah, and that's what's that's what's funny is like obviously there's pros and cons to everything, but that's what was so great about the uh, about the actual film itself. Sorry, the only reason why I moved to the side was because my peas like will hit the microphone. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I have to like uh, make sure I don't over enunciate. Um, yeah, because on film, as you were just saying, you don't have as many uh, takes, for example. And you know that when you go in as a director, one, you have to be super specific about your wants and needs. And, and obviously with digital, you can go take after take after take. And, and and then as performer, not only do, you know, sometimes people take longer to get there, but that's what the rehearsal process is so much more important when you are doing a film, like on actual film, is because you just rehearse it to death, like so you know it inwards and outwards so when you're ready to go like you just get in and you get out and then furthermore um and I think it really makes you hone your skills a lot easier and better because you have to really just be on it and not just be a lazy filmmaker and um and then also I think that um what I loved about it is that you don't it, so it's like again a pros and a con because you don't need as much lighting to light film as you would like for digital for because example because you can change the f-stops and like mm-hmm. and yeah. then furthermore you just don't the equipment's like you can get away with a lot more I mean and but having said that like obviously the flow is different in regards to pulling focus and things of that nature but at the same time you don't necessarily need as much lighting when you're doing on film do you know what I mean like there's just there's interesting pros and cons and then furthermore with the with the post process a lot of people end up going in and make trying to implement the look of film on, on digital. digital stuff. Yeah, and and a lot of times those hours can add up as well. So, um, yeah. So like I said, there's definitely pros and cons. I mean, the 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 most expensive thing about the film is the processing of it, like the actual taking it to the place and then yeah. you know, and then they have to digitize it. Um, but other than that, I mean, it's a pretty seamless process that um that I that I highly recommend that everybody actually take a moment to learn how to to do or at least be able to do it one time in your life before it gets phased out because what was interesting that go to a lot of my friends who just came out of film school and they literally had no idea they were like do they still do it on strips like <laughs> still on strips and you splice it together and I'm like no you actually like digitize it into a file <laughs> and it's so crazy because people didn't even know like people had no idea but that just goes to show how like new filmmakers just don't know you know they they thought you were welding strips of film together yeah, like, like <laughs> the editing room yeah, <laughs> like in 1943 for real <laughs> i swear to god i was really like what? but then i think I, in the beginning i was like uh i don't think so and then i was like googling i was like how do they how, like because i didn't know in the beginning either you know because yeah. I, I had always shot i mean i how- have shot one project on film it was a short film that i did in, oh, okay. in college and it was it was only i think about a five minute film but i know a little bit about the process and i'm a photographer as well gotcha so i know about the process but i did not know about the lighting differences with digital yeah it was really interesting and again that was you know because of the the dp and then of course when you know we had amazing gaffers that worked on the film and they were really just like yeah luckily these are the these are the things that we can get away with especially considering how real and sort of gritty we wanted it to look Mm -hmm. um we didn't need much especially during the day too we really just didn't it just the landscapes kind of spoke for themselves as well now since this is your first feature length uh film producing it was it like producers 101 like you were just learning as you go Yes and no. I mean, I luckily I had amazing mentors um, to walk me through it. You know, a f- couple of them have been like nominated for Academy Awards or mm-hmm. they've done um, really amazing independent films as well. Are these people you've met and, through acting or um, just, you know, what? just from just being out and about. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Just out in the world. You're like, I'm and, not going. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. <you> know. <laughs> um, yeah. And so they've been, they were really great. And then also and then, yeah. And then the rest of it was sort of... Um, sort of trial by fire and and I actually kind of recommend that for almost any as you know probably any facet in this business because you learn you, the most yeah <laughs> hands you know on I mean? for sure <laughs> and, and this is the thing too is I hope I'll never quit learning do you know what I mean really yeah because, I agree yeah because like I mean lord knows that I probably won't ever know it all but the fact of the matter is too it's like I've seen, you know, Spielberg sit on panels and say he's still learning. And what a beautiful thing to always be constantly learning about yourself and about the business and about the people you're working with. Like, um, but also like, as you know, like when you hear people who want to direct, like you just have to go out and direct something. So your best way to learn it is that's just what to like, I, well, that's what I say. I agree completely. That's what I say with stand up because I always have people coming up to me. I've been doing stand up for 10 years and I always have people coming up to me saying, oh, well, how did you get started? Or, mm. you know, what did you do? And this and that. And pretty much the only way to learn stand-up comedy is to stand up on a stage 
and be horrible right. and, to, and, to, and I'm sure embrace sucking <laughs> and just suck yeah. and suck and suck until one day that's why I never make fun of new stand-ups like I always see new stand-ups and they're struggling in this and that and I remember when I started there was you know some people who were hateful or saying you know oh you suck you should quit you know what I've seen people suck for seven years and then something clicks in their brain mm. And it just clicks. And then yeah. all of a sudden, they're like funny, like no shit funny. Because stand-up is a craft. A lot of people don't understand that. They think that you're naturally funny and that's how you get up there is you're just a naturally funny person. And it's not. It's a very specific craft. Sure. And a lot of the greatest stand-ups I know are actually really awkward or shy or mm. not even outgoing at all. Yeah. You know, so. And vice versa. Like some of the funniest motherfuckers I know are like not good stand-up. Oh, people. yeah. You no, know I know I mean? people who are like, hilarious yeah. and they stand up on a stage and they suddenly get super shy and awkward. So it's just one of those things you have to work on just like acting I know mm. people who have been horrible actors and have worked on their craft and taken classes and gotten better you know some people think you either have the acting chops or you don't mm. some people have are amazing actors and they never work on their craft mm-hmm. and they can't memorize a line for worth anything mm-hmm. so it's all you know I think hard work does have a lot to do with it and I think trial by fire is a great way to learn anything yeah although having a <laughs> I think a lot of people pre-prepare like they do a lot of research in which I do but Every situation is different. I'm sure you guys came up with all sorts of production issues or things For that sure. happened that couldn't be read about in a book. Yeah. And and and, and I did take um, a ton of meetings. Bef- I mean, you know, still to this day, but I mean, pre, during, and after just in regards to all the different processes of it. And then furthermore, um, obviously everyone has their own different takes on it. Because there's also so, I mean, as we know, producer, like that word is so overused in this business. But at the end of the day, I I firmly believe that when you have a movie behind you, you can officially say you're a producer because you have something to show for your hard work. Now, what type of production were you doing? Were you like, like everything, like doing the budgets, like doing the set, you know, mm -hmm. managing sets, finding out the locations, like doing everything? Or were you just doing... You know, because there's different types of producers. There's mm-hmm. people who just do the budgeting, the accounting, there's line producing, there's like all sorts of different types of producing. So were you just doing everything? I was basically doing everything. You were like, I was all producers. I was. I was like the UPM and the LP and the main producer. And yeah. You're like, and I was yeah. gopher and I was, I was a runner and I was a camera girl. Pretty much. Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Pre- I know. Well, productions. Oh, yeah. And plus what's, what's crazy about, I mean, we ended up at one point having like a 40 person crew. I think when we did some reshoots here um, and luckily I could, you know, have a very clear delineation in regards to my duties at that point, because mm-hmm. when you're everything like you, plus when you're everything, you're going to suck at something. And that's, what's really hard about being in that position because also oftentimes, as you know, when you're on set too, you have a good cop and a bad cop. Usually one will be like, yes, we can do that. And the other one will be like, well, no, actually we're going to count, you know? Like, <laughs> and, and so it's nice to be able to have that person where you're like, dude, the other guy said, no, sorry. Do you know what I mean? So like, you're just talking to yourself. Yeah. So it literally would be me going, okay. So I can no, Stacey, no, we can't do this. Yes, Stacey, we can't do it. Totally, we're going to find a way to totally, do it. Yeah. It was, it was like, it was really hard. And I look like a schizophrenic on set. <laughs> and how long did you guys take to shoot? Uh, we did a, We did about a month in Texas. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, and then we did a reshoot about a week here in L.A. And what was included in the reshoots? Was it just scenes that you guys missed or bad audio or? Um, you know, it was it was a little bit of both. I think that when you when you go, you know, obviously, as you're making the film and then you see like some of the holes that in are in the plot or something. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. Or that are, you know, when we did test screenings that people weren't quite grasping or that weren't hitting as hard. And then also the the bad thing about shooting on film is being out in the middle of Texas, you, we had to keep shipping it to LA in order for it to get processed and see the dailies. So oftentimes like there were some lens problems that we didn't know about until days later that we had to end up reshooting in Los Angeles at a later point. I'm surprised they don't have a processing center down there because I know the film industry has moved quite a bit to the South, Mm -hmm. North Carolina, New Orleans, Austin, just because of production being a little bit cheaper. Yeah. So I'm really surprised they didn't have a processing facility. Yeah. I mean, we looked at a couple of them. I think the reason why we ended up doing the one here in Los Angeles was just because they were also going to, you know, do a lot of the post stuff as well. It was just sort of like more of a package deal that mm-hmm. we had signed up for versus, um, yeah, we probably, you know, there was definitely places in Texas. I mean, but one just because, because a lot of them, well, super 16 also having said that is a very still specific medium. 35 is still obviously uh, rather ubiquitous versus mm-hmm. the super 16. So there's, there was only like one or two places in the United States that even still processed that particular. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sadly, sadly. 
oh, what's going to happen to film? I know. It's sad. I know. It's sad. Because I'm sure you heard um, Fuji, as of December, quit making they quit making film, period. So what they have is what they I have. I didn't hear that, but I know that there's one big facility. I can't even, I'm like blanking for some reason. That's, they're ramping down on um, processing. Like a mm. lot, like it's almost been half. Yeah. And um, a lot of people are just going to digital as a way to save money. But I've actually heard a lot of um, interesting negatives about digital regarding costs, regarding, you know, some of these productions that are, I, first of all, I think a lot of productions are going crazy, crazy with the CGI and it's like taking away from story value. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you should always have a, above everything else. A film is a story mm-hmm. and you should have a great story. And yeah. I think some of these films are replacing uh, great plot lines with crazy digital effects. No, it's true. <laughs> and then also what I think people are forgetting is that like. Like Super 16 really fit our film and like in digital really fits some films. And then I feel like you have to kind of match the medium with the, the feeling of the film. Yeah, yeah. Rather than like just do a blanketed across the board like digital or do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I think that that's kind of getting lost in the shuffle with the with the money part of it a little bit. Well, that's something that really bothers me about the entertainment industry in general is it's the only industry where you're having a lot of decisions that are creative being made by business or financial. Mm -hmm. And that shouldn't, when you're dealing with art, you can't put a label on certain artistic endeavors, you Mm -hmm. know? And that's, it's like, you can't, (laughs) business people are business people and that's different. And I feel like they should just lend things to creativity. And I know maybe not specifically with your film, but I know of a lot of films and also projects that I have had friends working on or I've worked on that decisions have been made creatively from the business side. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, <laughs> you're not a creative person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, it works like this. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's true. It's true. And th- th- and I think that that's, yeah, that's the hard part about being a producer is that you have to think what's best for the film, like first and foremost. And then furthermore, sometimes obviously the money part comes into play in regards to how it butt heads, butts heads with the creative part because, yeah. you know, everyone's fighting for their creative vision, but at the end of the day, you have to really sort of be the person that can be the fusion of the two. It sounds know? like you were both. Yeah, I feel like I am. I feel like I was, I feel like I luckily have both of those parts of my brain that I'm able to, to see the big picture too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So you guys got into slam dance. That's a we big did. deal. It was amazing. What was the process with that? Yeah, you mean in terms of like going and like, or what do you mean? I mean, anything like what, like, like, how did you guys apply when you found out where you like totally stoked? Like what? Yeah, no, it was great. I mean, did you apply to other festivals? Like what? Yeah, we did. I mean, our, our main, our, you know, our top three, as I feel like most people, you know, it's uh, Sundance, of course, Toronto, and then um, South by Southwest. Mm -hmm. And that was South by, of course, just because we filmed in Texas. That's why it was a big deal for us. And at the time we'd gotten our rejection letter from Sundance, but then like two days later got our acceptance into slam dance. Mm-hmm. But then along with that, we, and by the way, a lot of people are saying that slam dance is the new Sundance mm-hmm. because Sundance has gotten a little bit corporate with some of the quote unquote indie films having these huge stars in them. Oh yeah. And, and I'll be honest, like, being there and knowing that they're running, I mean, they're, it, it, I'll be honest, you almost don't even know the difference between the two when you're there because people are going to see both and everyone has like both badges really. And, and I think they're that, simultaneous. Mm-hmm. So I mean, is across the street, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they're literally just right across the street from each other and you know, and everyone knows everyone and it's really just, um, and, and even when you go to like the gifting suites and all that kind of stuff, like everyone doesn't give a shit. Like they're just kind of like, yeah, you're part of either festival, like amazing. Like, do you know what I mean? They're kind of looked at as being similar. Very they, similar. they really are. They really are. I mean, as far as like from a selling market, I understand, you know, Sundance still carries that name to your average person, you know, existing out in the world. But as far as when you're there and you're a movie goer and you're a movie watcher and, and slam dance notably is known as being like the people who are still getting in there because like you said, Sundance has gotten so, um, has gotten so saturated with like really big films. <laughs> There's He's my, really excited about There's Sundance my dog, Mitzi. She is in every episode of the podcast, at least once, barking or growling. Um, Mitzi loves Best Friends Forever. She loves Best Friends Forever. She was so excited about Slam Dance that she had to yes. let everyone know. Um, yes, it is. It has been actually termed recently, from what I've heard, as being more of a corporate 
baptized um, indie film fest because even though it was originally the indie film festival, mm-hmm. you know, everyone has it. Oh, Sundance, Sundance. Um, a lot of the films, it's like you can't say you're an indie film when the Weinstein brothers are backing you. Yeah. You can't say you're an indie film when, you know, Meg Ryan or Angelina Jolie's in it. It's like, yeah. come on. I know. It's true. It's true. <laughs> yeah. Cause I remember being in Park City and there's like Nicole Kidman walking by and I was literally like, I was like, okay. I mean, you know. Which well, I think it used to be the indie film uh, festival. And I think now what it's become is um, a place for a lot of actors who either their career isn't going where they want in the big budget or they're sick of doing big budget Hollywood mm-hmm. films and they want to do something artistic or because, you know, most actors are art artists. Mm-hmm. And so they want to do something um, like that. And I just don't. I just don't consider it myself a, a true independent film festival. For sure. Yeah. So sure. I think that's actually better. And you guys were there and the industry was there as well. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and plus what was neat was <laughs> this, I knew this about cause someone forewarned me. They do all these weird like pop-ups. Um, so they actually businesses like Nobu, for example, will actually like restaurant pop-ups. Yeah. They will literally <laughs> go and they'll, sh- they'll buy a cafe out, redo it as Nobu Park yeah. city for the, for the week or whatever. And, and so everyone can go and rub elbows at Nobu in Park City. And that's my little rubbing elbows dance. And I just thought it was so crazy. You can't see Stacey, but she's dancing back and yes. forth. <laughs> and I thought it was so crazy because I'm literally like, so this business owner who owns this cafe must be getting paid a lot of money because otherwise... Like, Why would he let someone take over his restaurant? Totally during during slam or Sundance slam dance. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then and then they're going in and having these like huge Hollywood parties. It just was so weird. I was literally like this. I feel like I'm back in LA. Like you're literally there was no LA. point to be it was in Utah so crazy, for sure. <laughs> the only difference being is like there you're wearing like UGG boots. Like that's literally the only difference. <laughs> so you're literally taking LA and then you're going like this and you're dropping it in Park City and, and then everyone has jackets on and, and so, that's it. Totally, that's it. That's really it. Everyone just has a few more layers. That's it's, hilarious. It's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy. That that was very like, wow. Yeah. So how did you guys do there? Did you make, make a lot of connections? Was it worth it? If I was an independent filmmaker saying, you know, should I send my film there? Like what, what were the pros of getting into Slamdance? Yeah. I mean, I think, well, when you're premiering there, there's just one, the wonderful excitement of being there and being around people who are excited to see your movie. And, you know, we sold out both showings. That's awesome. Yeah. And it was just really exciting to watch it in a room full of people for the first time. And you weren't sick of like seeing dailies and like watching it. I mean, were you part of the post-production mm-hmm. where you just like saw constantly over and over again until you were sick of it? For sure. But you know, what's crazy <laughs> is you, when you're seeing it with people though, it's like, they find stuff funny that you've seen a thousand times. So, so you're, you're like just, sick of it. Uh, well, no, you just, you didn't know that that was funny. And you're like, Oh <laughs> shit. They thought that was, you're like, okay. Like it gives you a renew, a renewed view new of eyes, it. New yeah, eyes. Yeah. You get totally a renewed idea of it. So that was really exciting. Um, and it's still every time, every time, like we'll bring it somewhere. You know, one of us will go, um, go and, Watch, you know, watch it with a crowd like even and because in, in different regions everyone finds things different funny and takes away something different mm-hmm. which I found really different like we you know we've gone to the south and we'll go to the northeast and everyone has a different take on it so it's just so interesting the energy is completely different and, and it's by region yeah yeah it's been so weird it's been so weird um yeah but it, the whole thing was amazing I mean of course you're you're there with a bunch of other people whose um sole purpose is to get out there and to make uh make new friends and I think that that's amazing because that environment is very conducive of that and mm-hmm. everyone's just excited the the excitement level's so high that like the energy is like every day like you're up at 6 a.m going to bed at like 2 a.m and you're not even tired and you're not even tired <laughs> yeah and then and then when you go home you crash and you want to kind of die and everyone's sick like literally sick and not not feeling well because you just kind of rain yourself in, raggedly but everyone's just the, the momentum's amazing like I, I highly suggest if you ever get an opportunity like to to try to get your movie into slam dance because they treat you so well and it's just party after party after party but in like the most like genuine wonderful circumstances because you're literally celebrating filmmaking that's awesome yeah and honestly I every day I was like oh my god I wish I could bottle this up and and feel like this every day because it makes you not necessarily make another one just so you can experience this but at the same time it makes you feel motivated it does and it makes you feel like what you're what you're making matters to people and to see other people doing it as well and pursuing their dreams and and actually have something to show for their hard work like feels really fantastic I think that sounds amazing 
interesting. And I, I know what you're talking about because as an independent artist and also filmmaking, I think a lot of people still don't understand filmmaking. Like they see a mm. film and they think, you know, people are just running around making films and that's that they don't, especially for indie film. I think mm-hmm. this is very important. They don't understand that it was literally created from nothing. Someone had an idea mm-hmm. and then had to wrangle people together and then find the money. I think that because a lot of people just see the Hollywood system where, you know, there's this like giant machine of money and then you just get the actors and this and that. Like they don't understand that independent filmmaking, you're just creating something out of an idea. Totally. Right. And it's, right. you're doing everything. Yeah. You're creating everything. I've only done it on a smaller level and I've worked on some indie films, but I haven't done it from beginning to end like you. And I can only imagine how much hard work it is. And sometimes there's this feeling like, am I doing like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> A lot, yeah. <laughs> like a every lot. day, right? Yeah. You're yeah. like, what are we doing? <laughs> Is this real? Yeah. Um, and so to have, I mean, just to get the script written, I mean, half the people in LA, you know, have this idea for the next great script and they haven't even written it. Mm-hmm. So even just to get the script written, like you guys actually completed something. Yeah. And then to have that acknowledgement and to go somewhere where people are hyped about it and praising it. Because I think in general, a lot of people tend to be very... Um, not negative, but when you're doing something different or on your own, it's there's a lot of obstacles. Let's just say that. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So I think that's awesome. No, thank you. Thank you. And I think that when you're, um, yeah, no, you're so right when you're saying like when you have this idea, then it comes to fruition because also I, I see so many of my friends who do have things completed and I still aren't able to find the money or it ends up falling apart. There's or, so many obstacles. Do yeah, you know how many films so and things many. I've been cast for that got canceled or the funding ran out or, and, and it's like this constant, it's not just a, like a rejection. Like people are like, Oh, there's a lot of rejection in Hollywood. You hear these, these ideas or these thoughts and you don't realize how, how much it is. It's yeah. like, I, you know, I was cast for something. I was excited. Like, I like <laughs> what I say is you don't, you don't count on it till you have the check in your hand. It's cashed in the bank and it's clear <laughs> because I've been cast for so many productions or so many things where I got so excited about it. And then I was cast in a television show where I was literally supposed to shoot the next day. And then I got a phone call from the casting director who was mortified and had to tell me that I was no longer part of the production because the producer ended up casting his girlfriend. Mm. And, you know, like so many yeah. things where you're like, oh, this is my big break or I have this or yeah. I got it. And then the budget fell through and the funding fell through and you're like, ah, totally, totally. and it just completely falls apart. So the fact that you guys actually created something from nothing, got it to completion, got it into a film festival. I mean, that's more than 80% of Hollywood. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Thank and not to say anything that. negative about other people, but it's just such, there's so many, there's obstacles. so many. Yeah. You know, and I was watching this um, behind the scenes thing with Clooney, and he was, I wasn't with Clooney. I, was I know. I was supposed to say, you just I said know. that like you're like, <laughs> me and Clooney were me just and Clooney, chilling and at George, Sundance. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he was on the television and I was in, the, I was in my living room watching in him. In my PJs. Yes, eating some ice cream. And he was he was talking about how when a movie a movie does well cuz you know we've known him as and you know he's played every role in Hollywood in terms of like producer, director, um an actor of course, you yeah. know. So he's he's seen the filmmaking process from all these different angles and he was saying when something goes well and it lands and it becomes a hit, he's like honestly it's beyond me because there's a thousand reasons why it can go wrong. I mean, it can go wrong in the casting process, it can go wrong in the editing process, it can go wrong from the directing of course down. You know what I mean? Even if even if the lighting isn't sitting well with people or you know what I mean? And then there's I, no, it's true. It, there's so many things. There's, there's so many, many things times involved. I've seen a film that I just loved and I'm like oh but I wish they didn't have you know so and so she doesn't make sense as this person totally. or you you just there's something off or the and sometimes light. you can't exactly put, put your it, finger on it yeah you're, you're just, just like, like why is this off this yeah, is not good for sure for sure so when something lands but then also on the other side of that though from a, a complete filmmaking standpoint there's a, like you were saying there are literally a thousand reasons for something to fail so the fact that like you said like we have it on iTunes it's fully functioning as a as a film that just to get made, the film made like I'm not even talking about it becoming a success i'm talking yeah. about one someone having the courage to write a full-length script that mm-hmm. doesn't suck yeah right <laughs> yeah right two finding someone to give you money or multiple people to give you money mm-hmm. i mean there's i can just count a ten thousand reasons right now just from my personal experience yeah as an actress and also working on other productions yeah you know even i think i did a short youtube film and it took mm-hmm. me like 
you know like even like youtube stuff like the people that i know that do these like two or three videos a week that are like high quality i'm like where what the heck i know, are they doing? I know that's true yeah and that takes some serious like determination to do it that's honestly. like extreme determination yeah. i know people that are like youtube stars that like have a new video every week that's like mm-hmm. high- i'm not talking about the new videos every day that are like you know like a a camera blog or something simple i'm talking yeah. about people who are putting out and on there's a like weekly production basis. value yeah there's like that like there's there's like a good production design they like, must be like, like some sound effects yeah. shit. you're like <laughs> how did you're like wow they're yeah. like on crack or doing something or on some magic because it's like you know just to do some of the small productions i've done have been just ripping hair out and plus as i'm sure you've heard a lot of films get lost in post like they'll get made but then won't have the money to finish it and they've been sitting there forever because, on the shelf or mm-hmm. or a bad editor which has was happened to a documentary that i worked with mm. the editor was bad for the for the price that they could afford yeah and then they ended up having to go to another editor and then they ran out of money well and do- editors <laughs> for documentaries are are really the sculptors of that story yes do you know what i mean yeah, yeah. you have to find a really really good one yeah too much like reality tv you know it, it, they're all very, very specific. And yeah. I think I think people don't really understand that. Um, but yeah, for especially for indie filmmaking where the the money is so crucial. Mm-hmm. So that's just crazy. How long did you guys do the um, the Kickstarter? We did it for 37 days. 37. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. we, they, they recommend, <clears throat> Kickstarter is amazing. When, I don't, are you film, have you done any film money making or? Film? I haven't, but I'm familiar with the website. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's donated um, to certain projects. But they, they, but they literally, when you sign in to get your project on there, they walk you through the entire process so wonderfully. Like it's, uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm just so impressed with their system. But they literally are like, if you want to raise this amount of money, this is how many days you should do. They recommend it 30 or under because they think that that momentum will carry. The urgency. Yeah, for sure. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Let's make it up. Um, but then what's amazing about human nature is right when you launch the Kickstarter, it has this huge like, Search and then people kind of like eh. it plateaus off. Yeah, <laughs> but like the but by week two you're you're kind of shitting your pants because you're literally like we are not going to make our money because it plateaus off. You're just still running after running after it, and then there's something about when that clock actually is ticking down. People start, yeah, and then that's when you literally make the majority. Like I want to say you make like seventy percent of your money in the last like two two days or something like that. It's kind of insane because like and you literally feel like at one point you're just gonna you should quit. Cause you're just like, Oh my gosh, we're not going to make it. But then, like I said, for whatever reason on that last two days, everybody like really rallies behind you. And especially since that's the community, the community is set up for people to want to see your project do well and flourish. And it's just so wonderful. Cause it's really, cause I know what I'm, I'm a huge Kickstarter backer anyway. And I always feel like I'm buying art. Like that's what I feel like. I feel like <laughs> rather than me going to shopbop.com, like, or like, you know, neimanmarcus.com, like now I'm like, Oh, I actually feel like I'm shopping for, like, I think I, I helped, um, make the one of the ballet companies in Chicago get off the ground. And, oh, wow. Yeah. And you felt like you're just like, I had a, I, I bought a ballet today. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I kind of felt like I was doing. So it makes you feel, you know, like, so for every jeté they do, you feel like you contributed to that in some way. That's awesome. And I think that, I think that is a much better way to contribute uh, money than just buying a shirt for yourself or for something sure. like that. It, for because sure. Because you feel like you're giving back and, yeah, that, it, it's kind of an eco trip. Like, yeah, I kind of yeah the ballet for sure. Stacey's yeah, Stacy's ballet. I know, it's that, right? <laughs> it's true. It's true. And you feel like you it because it, 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 this is the thing. Like that twenty dollars, honest to God, it means something. Like when you see somebody literally like who's going out of their pocket rather than buying those four cups of coffee or whatever, they are actually decided to give to your thing, and and it like it just means so much to you as a filmmaker because you're just like, oh my God, I appreciate you so much. Like, and and don't get me wrong, the two $200 of course but like either way the monetary value like that you set doesn't matter it's the fact that somebody went out of their way to go look at your thing to press yes the yes button to say like it just it's so validating and it makes you feel as if like honestly that you can accomplish anything because when you see people actually going and and, and believing in what you're doing you're just like fuck yes because that's the reason why we do this at the end of the day you know what I'm saying like because yeah. otherwise I would just sit at home and make shit and watch it like with my cat <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, really? It's about, but you're doing it so that you want other can, people to see. Yeah, it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and so for people to actually want to like have your DVD and, and they're super pumped. You're just like, oh my God, like it's so humbling because you just think that like my mom and my grandma are going to be the only two people who are going to be super pumped. So the fact that like there's some person in Iceland who like is like 
hell yes you're like oh my gosh and I I'm wish doing I something I'm doing yes, something <laughs> totally I, I wish I knew something in Icelandic to say thank you but you're just like thank you so it's really it's really lovely the, do they speak Icelandic I think I it's know. like I Danish just, or something a, right uh, <laughs> I totally am making up shit. I don't even know. I'm not sure what they speak in Iceland either. How dare you, Rosie? (laughs) I can Google it. Um, That's awesome. Now, why did you go with Kickstarter instead of Indiegogo? Because Kickstarter, you don't Mm -hmm. get the money unless you reach your goal, right? So was it because of the pressure or the you wanted to like, hey, all or nothing? Yeah, there was two things. Um, You know, of course, we we had that conversation. But I, I have found that on Indiegogo, one, they are not as... I mean, and I don't want to speak ill of that website but nonetheless this is just our decision making process and what was going on with us and they they're just they allow any project to go on there one mm-hmm. um kickstarter is very that you actually have to get approved so i felt like they were really prestigious about what they the content that they put on their website mm-hmm. um and, it, and from a aesthetic standpoint kickstarter is just a beautiful website and i felt like that speaks volumes about how they view their projects and furthermore, how they reach out to the community that's established within Kickstarter. Whereas Indiegogo, like it's kind of a hot mess. Do you know what I mean? You go in there a little bit and you're like, uh, you know what I mean? You're like, I don't know what the fuck to look at. Like you're like, this person's raising money for socks. What's I know. Going on here? <laughs> it's true though, right? Which they could, they could absolutely do that. Like, do you know what I mean? You're like cat and socks. What is this? I know. Although I, I, I'll, I would actually support that. I, I'll are you a crazy my, cat lady? I know, I'm totally a crazy cat lady. <laughs> yes. I love a cat memes. Like I am, obs- I will literally just like die laughing by myself at home, like tearing up from cat memes. Cause I'm I a crazy so animal person. I just love all furry animals. Mm. It's bad. It's really bad. No, they're the um, best. There's a, there's a part of your heart that animals like that. I'm like one of those in. like crazy YouTube people that watches those like cat rolling around dog laying in a cat bed whatever oh did you see the cat bed one on huffington post um it's kind of amazing <laughs> it's really 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 bad um you're cracking me up <laughs> um but uh, yeah we were t- i'm sorry but yeah and then also the thing about indiegogo versus kickstarter is my and again it's it's the it's the all or nothing mentality and the fact that I think that also creates another sense of urgency. It's like another level of like, you guys better donate because we're not going to get a penny unless you No, for sure. And there's something about rallying people behind you. Because also like Indiegogo, like a lot of people I had known have done it and and they've raised like a thousand out of their like Mm $100,000 goal. And it's like... What was your original goal posted on there? Um, 75. 75. Okay. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we got 81 that's awesome. Yeah, it was really great. It was really great. And uh, yeah, like I said, I just feel like that that just really spoke a lot in regards to, because everyone's like, oh, but at least you get a little bit. But I'm like, you know what? But And I don't mean to sound like a jerk, but like that says so much about somebody. Then I'm like, then you, that you're saying to me that you're only worth that two grand. Mm-hmm. Like I'd much rather say like, fuck man, like we're worth the 75. So let's just knock it out and rock this. You know now, what was I mean? That, I do. And that's, that's a great mentality. And um, very interesting for people to think about when deciding yeah, what they want. For sure. And I understand the fear behind it. But at the end of the day, like I said, it's like. The- it's, it's like you have to create a You have to. It, it's like there's a fallback plan. But when, when you guys had the 75 or nothing. Yeah. It's like you made yourself bigger to accommodate that. For sure. Like you, you had you, that goal and you're like, I'm going to get this goal. And true. I need to get this goal. It's Otherwise true. we don't get anything. It's yeah. all or nothing. And it, so maybe it pushed you guys harder. It does. It yeah. really, really, because this is the thing. If it kind of strolled in, I'll be honest. And again, the people I've known that have done the ego go, they're just like, Hey, we're just grateful for whatever little bit. And don't get me wrong. Like there is still that gratefulness along with the Kickstarter where it's like, Oh, every little bit counts, but it's more just like, Hey guys, like we gotta get this. We gotta get this money. Yes. You're like, <laughs> we gotta get it. <laughs> like literally, literally every day you're like, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You had like, your, seriously. you had your heart was on fire. For, yeah, for sure. And this is what's cool about it is that for a really intense 37 days, like you go in, you're like, okay, this sounds like slam dance and then you crash after and you're sick for sure it's true it's <laughs> I true i see a trend and a it's pattern yes. here stacy <laughs> it's so funny how that, that thus is indie filmmaking though right in general like because you go like you sh- like when we we're shooting for a month um i probably slept i think at one point i slept six hours in like three days or something and so that I was averaging two hours a night which is fine but at the same time like 
Like you're just every, there's so many highs and there's so many lows. Do you know what I mean? Like in filmmaking, like there's so many yeah. highs. Like you're just like. <laughs> Okay, like we got this money. Oh my god! And then they they dropped out. Oh my god, we got this. And then the DP drops out. And then like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's so many highs and lows. And and so, but then people are just like, oh, Yo, you should kind of learn to ride the medium. But yeah, I'm just like, you know, it, it's the roller coaster. Like the medium. Like I don't want to go in the the. Like, I don't, I don't go want the, mediocre. You're like yes, I want real life. I do. Yeah, I don't want to go in the carousel that goes around and around. Like I'd much rather do that shit where it's high and low. I mean, I don't know. I know maybe that's a masochistic way to look at it. No, it's. Not not it's not because i think that the extreme lows make you appreciate the extreme highs and the extreme highs for sure. give you something to look forward to in the extreme sure. lows and having said that too and it's life the, it's it that's is life, life. it is life, life is not the carousel life is not the mediocre carousel no, that true. is not life <laughs> it's true it's true and then furthermore in in those levels of the low points it's honestly as a filmmaker and as a human is when we learn the most about ourselves it's always it's yeah. always everything that's why i don't understand people who avoid pain because anytime i've walked through the fire i've come out stronger mm-hmm. anytime i've walked through the fire anytime i've been uncomfortable i've learned something about myself anytime i've been miserable depressed one of the worst times in my life when i was like depressed like beyond you know was hopeless that's when i really found myself yeah. and i think that a lot of people are scared of pain. And I think I, (laughs) this is what I, this is what I've told. um, This is what I've said about myself. (laughs) It's kind of, it's kind of silly. I will go through extreme emotional or mental pain because really there's no harm. It's just your ego, right? Right. So once you get through the other side, you're always stronger, but I will not go through any physical pain (laughs) because I only have one body. So. Right, right. Yeah. I'm not skydiving. I'm not jumping off of anything. But if you want to challenge me mentally or emotionally, I will walk through the fire. Amazing. But I'm just, I, I'm like, no. The metaphorical fire. I'm like, yeah, the metaphorical fire. Will I will not walk through things. a fire, right? That's amazing. I don't know if there's an afterlife. You know, I'm spiritual. I, I'm not, I don't have a very strong belief system in one specific religion. I don't believe in an afterlife. This is my body. I'm taking good care of it. Mm. You know, I drink my, uh, my veggie shakes in the morning. <laughs> oh my God, you're so cute. I go to the gym i'm like don't touch my vessel okay yeah yeah for sure for sure (laughs) but i will go through mental anguish if i know if i know that on the other end there's a positive result and i and i think i think there always will be there always is because you always always you always always when i feel any it's just convincing myself in the moment because sometimes i've been through a period of uncertainty and i just always have to remind myself okay remember when this happened like five years ago and the result was positive. Sure. The result is always positive yeah. because you can't get anything that you want without suffering a little. For sure. And then also, uh, I think that as artists and again, as humans, I mean, obviously one sort of, I feel like art is really a, a huge metaphor for just how we exist as humans. But like, in, in, like if you, if everything was always like, and you never had any hard times, how are you supposed to know how to get better? Like there, you always have to have a minute, a moment where, shit's not working or it's falling apart or whatever to really go inward and to go, what is not working here? And how can I, how can I be better? And how can I do, and what am I doing? That's why is this eliciting this, this right now reaction for sure. And you always have to have those moments where you're like, Oh shit. Do you know what I mean? Like either I fucked up, which, or for whatever reason, this just, this is not, you know what I'm saying? No, I totally, I totally agree. And I think we can all see that with people. I mean, we all have a friend that has quote unquote had it easy Mm -hmm. and yet they can't do the simplest thing. In fact, all of the horrible things that happened to me as a child, I embraced because I would not be the person who I am now. You know, I know people who had it super easy and they can't deal with like basic problems. For sure. The more tough you had it as a kid and growing up, the more you're capable of dealing with life, I think. For sure. So For it's, sure. All, it's all like a positive always. Um, did you guys have the trailer up on Slamdance? I mean, not Slamdance, on the uh, Kickstarter? Did you guys shoot the trailer first or no, you, or like the, a teaser? Yeah, we did a teaser. We did a teaser um, that, and we really... And then also this is the thing about Kickstarter that's so important is that it is your video in terms of... Yeah, that's what I was wondering if you guys maybe shot something before or like... Yeah, well, we just, we gave them a little, little, little taster at the very end. But then when you do your video telling them just, just why they should really give you money, um... And it's literally like you just want to be a minute in and out and just get people super pumped about it. And then Not just, just give like them a 10 little minutes taste. of crying. Please I know, seriously, seriously. Although that, that might be, that might be equally effective. Who knows? <laughs> people can handle a girl crying. Let's be honest. <laughs> you have a bunny rabbit with a gun to its head. <laughs> Donate. <laughs> or Mr. Or Mr. Furry gets it. What? What kind of Kickstarter is this? <laughs> 
then you see me behind bars and I have to have a Kickstarter to bail me out. They actually had something like that online. They had some guy who I think it was a prank, but he had some kitty cat or some animal and he said oh, that Lord. if people didn't donate money he was gonna kill the kitty cat and i think he actually ended up raising like a couple hundred thousand dollars <laughs> yeah people do anything for for it well there was there was a bunch of one when the internet first started there was a bunch of stories like that there was like um there was a website where the person was selling a pixel of advertising each like people trying to become instant millionaires oh and a, a guy was like selling advertising it was like the smallest ad or something so he would sell one pixel and you could if you put your mouse over the pixel the ad would pop up like it would hover yeah and he made like a million dollars selling like a million pixels or something oh crazy and then there's all these like weird internet stories and stuff like that yeah um you know now that we're all connected through the world wide web all the interesting and unique people (laughs) it's true it's true well plus kickstarter is so good at um do you are you on their email list they'll send you like highlights for the week God, and like I said, the projects that are out there, though, there are How often do you donate? Like every week? Um, Every week. I probably, you know, I probably average like, I guess I average probably once every two weeks. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I just, right, I'll I, have to keep you in mind I if know, I have any projects. I know, right? I know. It's true. It's true. I love it. I love it. I do love it. Um, Oh, the thing I was going to say really quickly when you were talking about seeing the end goal of being like when you're like, oh, okay, if, if I'm in a dark place, I can see. Oh, I, I've gone through this a few years ago. Keep going. Yeah. I oftentimes have this wonderful, wonderful metaphor in my head or analogy about, um, you know, how there's those invisible fences when dogs have those collars. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean, <laughs> and they, and they like, they can only go to the parameter of the lawn. So I always think about how, like how us were caged in, like we have these collars and how like you can see the other side of the street and then it's hurting so bad to get through the fence but as long as you just keep remembering that, like, you can get to the other side of the street, you just have to it's go It's, like, in your that, mind, yeah. Yeah, you just have to go through that pain of, like, how bad this is going to shock you or whatever it's going <laughs> to do to you. But you just have to remember that, like, but I'm going to get to the other side of the street. Because I just know that, for me, that's just what I have to keep recalling is, like, it's going to, the shit's going to get real for, for however long it's going to happen. Well, I, I, know I, I agree with there. you completely. The only time I have difficulty is when I can't see the goal. Mm. If I know, if I have a clear goal, I can always go towards it. But if yeah. I can't see the goal, like there's been times in my life when I, where I've been confused of what I wanted. Yeah. And when I can't see the goal, it's the worst. If mm. I have a clear goal in mind, like if I'm like, this is what I'm going towards. Yeah. I can go towards it. Gotcha. But it's the times, the unsurety that I'm like, okay, what is going on here? Yeah. And sometimes it's just, it's like you just have to make a decision and commit to it because your ego and your mind will always create excuses. For sure. For you sure. Know? And I think sometimes... I am sure, but I'm getting blocked by insecurities or whatever. Right. Or whatever's boiling up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, we're humans. Us humans are fascinating creatures, aren't we? <laughs> we we are. are. We're very interesting. Yeah. I just, Every day I'm literally like, I did not know that you existed. Like everyone, I'll meet somebody. I'll be like, <laughs> I did not know. I had no idea. We're just really complicated, adorable we are. monkeys. We are. <laughs> Lord. I mean, I, I, yeah, I love, I love humans so much. It just, I do find us... Uh, what we what we can tell what our brains will tell us I feel like is so interesting you know yes. we, sur- we will suppress what seems so natural just so that our brains and our ego can be right or correct or feel okay or feel valid I was just telling I was just telling someone about that I was talking about how I deal with my mom because I love my mom more than anything but she is one of those people she has to be right she just has to be mm. right she's always she and she won't hear you if she's not right like if she, she if you if if her if she doesn't feel like her point has been made, you could repeat the word, you know, hot twenty times and she wouldn't hear it. She would just wouldn't hear the word. And so over the process of I'm twenty nine minus so in the past fourteen years I've been trying to communicate with her and learn with her. And for the longest time she would make it a, a cultural thing. She's like, Well, in Vietnamese culture we just believe this and you guys just believe different. And I started to understand that it was just an excuse because she didn't want to deal with certain issues right yeah. so she would make it a cultural thing like oh you just don't get me and so now I realize that the way to deal with her is I always acknowledge her because she just wants to be right about it and I don't care about being right like I don't like who cares yeah, yeah you know yeah. so I always say yes mom I totally agree with you and it's not that I'm lying to her it's just that she won't 
be able to physically listen unless I acknowledge her. Mm. So I'll acknowledge her and then she you'll see her like totally relax and mm. then I can say anything I want and she'll hear me. Mm. But she physically will just block you out because her mind is so focused on I have to explain this to Rosie and she has to get it and she has to understand this. Yeah. Because she's so like just wants to be right so badly. Yeah, interesting. And, yeah. So I have I have no desire to be right. I'm like if I'm wrong, that's fine. Right. right, right. <laughs> I'm like who cares? Yeah. Like yeah. you know, like I'm I am not so um like I've been wrong a lot and it's fine. And I used to, I think when I was younger, I used to be more resistant to it. Like I was like, no, I can't be wrong. And now I'm just like, who cares? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like what yeah. happens if I'm wrong? I'm wrong. Who cares? I know. Moving on. Yeah. Moving yeah, on. Exactly. Right? I learned something new about myself. Yeah. Right. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and I think that that makes me sad when I see people who they just cannot like they just have to be right about everything. I know. No, I've, I've definitely known a couple and I <laughs> it's like what does it matter your ego gets validated like who cares but then at the but then what's crazy to me is at the expense of someone else because I, I also because they will do it to the point where they are trying to crush you and and but there's also I've yeah you know, I read a lot of um psychology books because I just find the human me brain too. really fascinating yeah right <laughs> and they were they me would too. actually were saying like statistically speaking um, I think I want to say I, it was I, like, I think you're going to say the statistic I know, but say it, say it. Oh, okay. They were like saying that like 70% of people would rather die than admit that they're wrong. So that's not the one I heard, oh, but, okay. but it's very similar. Okay. There's one that I heard that the, I, I can't remember the statistic, so I'm not going to quote it because I don't want to be, I don't want to be wrong because I don't want to give misinformation. Sure. But there was, um, a, there was a statistic that I read that even if someone has a belief that's so strong the more you show them physical evidence that they're wrong, mm. the more they cling on to that belief. Wow. Like even more. Yeah. So like, like um, just as an example. So at the time that people discovered the world was round, yeah. the more physical evidence that you would show them, the more they would say, no, it's flat. It's flat. Because the fear of being wrong is so strong wow. that people would rather... Like ignore... Ignore like, like facts. Actual... Actual facts. Right. right. Wow. Then say hey, I'm wrong. Right. And right. The, the minute that I learned, which it was a process, <laughs> that that I could be wrong was one of the most powerful moments of my life because I can't be controlled anymore. Yeah. When you're able to say, all right, maybe I'm wrong. What can the person do? Keep proving it. I know, right? It's like... You, you are taking something like... You almost little, take it away from yeah. them. It's like, it's like um, a friend of ours said, people who just do the opposite just to piss you off. They're so easy to control. Yeah. Right. If, if someone says you can't do this and they're like, Oh, I'm going to prove you wrong. You just controlled them. I know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Right. So it's like by the fact of someone saying, you know, you can't do this Rosie. And I'm like, all right, maybe I can't, maybe I can by leaving it like open, like, all right, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm right. It's like, I've taken that power away from them and For like sure. owned it. For sure. Cause you don't, you really don't know until it happens. No, and it's true. And it's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's sadly, I, I, I definitely have had moments. Don't get me wrong. Of, not necessarily of needing, I mean, a little bit of needing to be right, but it's... Oh, I've had moments. Yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> I've yeah. had moments. I mean, it's definitely that. I, I've definitely had... But then also, it's more this, like, feeling of... I'm really big on having people... I used to be really big on... And, I mean, and it still pops up, don't get me wrong, of, like, really having people, like, see my point. Be like, well, at least can you see my point? No, like, that's what my mom is. Like, she just that? has to get it in. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, and I, and, you know, I'm still working on... Really, because at the end of the day, like, what, who cares if they see your point? Know. Yeah, as long as you understand it, and for the, sure, you're and the only person that really matters. Exactly, you know? and I and I always be like, what's the? Why would I? What's the point of having this? Because at the end of the day, what just so they could be like, oh, I see your, and I'd be like, yes, they see my. <laughs> it's Ooh. a validation. Your mind's like, yes, yes I'm not an idiot. idiot. I don't, I don't. Yeah, I'm smart. I'm smart. See, ah, see. <laughs> so, so fucking ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Have you had? So I haven't mentioned it all, but you. Were Miss Alaska? You said twice. I was. I went to Miss America and Miss USA, which are different yes. people. They're totally different. different. Yes, um, very different. Do you, did you do you ever have people categorizing you or judging you as a beauty queen or certain things or putting you in a box because of that label? They do. I, for the longest time, I actually used to like keep it off my resume when I would go to things, which is kind of opposite the complete antithesis of why you actually end up starting to do those things because you do those things so that you can put it on your resume yes exactly (laughs) and have it open doors and then at one point you realize how people go oh well you're you're blah 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 you're like this then they have they think they have this idea of who you are based off of one thing that happens to be on your resume so I started to leave it out but then I started really again embracing it and and knowing that 
there are so many wonderful beneficial things that came out of that. And I mean, that one, I have a couple of my best friends came out of doing all of those things. And then two, just the amount of like press that you have to learn how to like deal with. And do you know what I mean? There's so many amazing things that came out of it that I'm like, why am I in denial of something that I I, I absolutely loved? Yes. And that I was, that I really am so proud of. Well, I think that there's this thing in society, which really bothers me. Judgmental people out there who hopefully are not listening because no judgmental people should be listening to my podcast. Only amazing, cool, only amazing, cool people. Um, (laughs) What I don't like is there seems to be this thing in society where people do not feel like you can have it all. There's mm-hmm. this belief that you can't be pretty and you can't be smart mm-hmm. and you can't, there's gotta be something. It's true. Right. Because, um, I consider myself, you know, attractive and I, I've had a lot of people say, well, you can't be cute and funny. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why? Mm-hmm. You know, and I, and they've like wanted me to fail because they can't in their belief system. It's like, that's too much. Yeah. Like you, like you can't, you can only be pretty and be an idiot. Mm-hmm. Or you can only be smart and be, you can't have it all. Right. And so I've had that as well. Or I've had people be like, well, you can't be funny and smart. Like, that's not, I'm like, why? Why can't you, you know? And I think that, like, you have to be crazy. There has to be something wrong with you. It's like, no, why can't people have that? And I think it's from their own insecurity. Right. So it seems like you're a go-getter and also you're beautiful. And I think that that brings up something inside of them. Like, well, why? And so I think that's why a lot of people put, the beauty pageant or whatever in a box because that is considered you know attractiveness Mm -hmm. and why in the hell would an attractive woman ever have a brain right right right. it's true it's true i've experienced that with men too you know if a guy is good looking a lot of times people will say well he's probably an idiot or he's just like a calvin klein model why why can't we have it all we can right and a lot of people do right right and especially i think that what's interesting about people who uh, okay, like let, let's say you know they're attractive female who is smart. I think what's amazing to me about that type of situation is, um, I would I personally would love it if on the long laundry list of characteristics that encompass who I am, that honestly like looks as like the tenth thing on there because to me like whatever this is my shell. But I also think that because there is that belief system, you actually theoretically have to work harder at being oh, smart. Oh, not theoretically. You so, have to. Yes. You actually have to. You really do. I've had you so really, really I've do. had so many people, oh, well, you know, you're like an Asian female, so you're supposed to be shy. And then I perform on stage and like, wow, that, I feel like I have to prove myself you even do. more. You always have to break out of whatever the opposite is of how they feel like you're, you are being or, you know what I'm saying? Like, or, or even vice versa in regards to, um, I'm about to laugh. Um, I love, I love seeing. Okay, do you ever watch those makeovers when they would do them in Oprah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. makeover shows. I do. I cry so much when I watch those. I love them so much. But when you take these amazing women and then you glam them all up in this Hollywood style, it always proved to me that I'm like, they're like, we are all absolutely gorgeous given the right makeup artist the right hairstylist. Of course, they right the women. Okay, Spanx. Did you ever watch America's Next Top Model? I never, I mean, like, here a lot and of there, the girls before were just average looking girls, right? They're just normal girls. Everyone, it's people get, you know, smoke and mirrors Hollywood. Yeah. But glamified it's like, all up glamified. And, and yeah. they're like, oh my God, you know, Penelope Cruz is so beautiful. And so and so is so. I'm like, no, they just look normal. They have yeah, makeup and true. there's really, really good lighting. Mm-hmm. And they have a trainer. Right. And so I think, yeah, no, I absolutely think that all women are beautiful. Yeah. That's what, and that's what I, when I watch those makeup, that's what it, it always reminds me. I'm like, Oh my God, you can really take, and like, I'm like, Oh, I just hope people understand that. Like you can absolutely embrace, like there's like, like I said, there's so much beauty in there's so many women and so many different categories are so gorgeous. And I'm just like, Oh, I wish everybody could just tap into their inner movie star and understand that. Like, honestly, I wish I could take this team to like everyone in America and like, <laughs> make them like see it because like, and sadly this is what sucks is that you, that you actually have to do the physical transformation for them to believe it and see it at the end. When at the end of the day, like they were the same person, they just had makeup on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) it's true. It's true. All right. Well, we got to wrap up. Um, Do you have anything else you'd like to promote other than your wonderful film? We'll have another one that I'm working on. Great. Yeah. That's going to be, we're going to be filming it next summer that I'm actually going to be directing and it's called the yearbook. And so I'm actually trying to get money for that currently. And so check it out. Look for that Kickstarter. Yes, exactly. The yearbook. So the, yeah. So our Kickstarter, we are going to do another one for some of it again. And so I'll let you know when that's actually going to be up and running. But again, it's a very uh, female comedy driven movie. I like movie, this. So, I like yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited. It's going to be great. It's going to be a really good adventure. Okay, awesome. And you guys, please, please, please check out outofthebox podcast.com and 
donate money. Also, to me, I have no limit, but that's fine. (laughs) $5, $10, whatever. Donate to the podcast to keep us going. And please go on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and rate and leave comments. It helps us out a lot. Good night, guys. 